I've talked about this before, guys, and that is how women's sports continue to struggle. They continue to struggle to get the necessary respect that they deserve and the necessary coverage that they deserve. So rather than speaking about it by myself today, I'm bringing on a professional to join me. But before I get started with that, I want to remind you that the podcast is being brought to you by Audible. Well, Shane, what's Audible? Audible is your platform to get any kind of audiobook download, right? So some people love listening to their books rather than reading them. They can listen to them at their own convenience. They can listen to them at 2x speed, just like a podcast. Well, if you want your free audiobook download, you can go to www.audibletrial.com slash thegametimeguru. That will give you a 30-day free trial. So make sure you use www.audibletrial.com slash thegametimeguru for your 30-day free trial. Now, the guest that I'm bringing on today holds record. She's in the top 10 in scoring at the University of Indiana. She was drafted in the third round of the WNBA draft in 2011 by the Indiana Fever, and she continued her professional career overseas, where she now plays in Italy. You're going to get to know her, get to know her journey, and get to know her opinions on the things that I just spoke about. This is the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Guru! What's going on, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Shane Larson, coming to you this week with a very special guest of mine. I've got a professional athlete on the phone with me today. She played basketball in the Big Ten at the University of Indiana, playing professionally overseas now. This is Miss Jory Davis. Jory, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, no problem. Before we get into your professional life, I, I've been dying to get into women's sports and 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 kind of talk about the struggles that we see especially here in the states um, with women's sports and getting the coverage that they're supposed to get but I want to start from the collegiate career because as I was looking up some of the uh, statistics from your career we're looking at like you were always a scorer it looks like you were born to be a scorer all through your high school days and then up to your college days like a couple of the things that I saw Jory were you know, in 2010, you, you had the single-season total points record for Indiana, which was 501 points. Um, 2011, you surpassed that with 565. And then you had you averaged 19.5 points per game. Um, free throws made, 179 in 2011. Uh, like, you kept breaking your own records. It's just cr- throughout your entire collegiate career. What was your career like in Indiana? What was it like playing ball there uh, when the team may not have been, like, you know, I guess uh, superb, but you were? What was it like then? Um, I say my time at Indiana was, you know, it was a, a great one despite uh, the team not reaching the goals we wanted to reach together. But, you know, I've always been one of those people that I want to always be getting better, always evolving, and that's kind of like my, my motto now, willingly evolve. Um, and so I think I was always, uh, you know, wanting to set the bar, the bar higher and higher every year for myself and also wanting my teammates to do the same. Um, and so I knew uh, as I got older and, you know, moved into my junior, senior years, I needed to be better for my team to be better. And I think that's kind of what pushed me to just keep improving uh, because I knew I had to take my game to another level to try to help us uh, win games. You know, unfortunately, as a team, as a unit, we didn't do big, big things, um, you know, but 
consistently pushing myself individually, I did reach um, a few, you know, pretty good goals to put on my resume. Um, so I think that was my mindset uh, throughout Indiana. And the, despite the basketball, I mean, graduating from Indiana University, I've met a lot of people, you know, and it's a, a great school to be a part of and say I'm an alumni. So, um, you know, outside of basketball, it was still a great, very great experience for me. Absolutely. Now, for all my listeners that are over here on the west side of the states, we're I, I'm based in Idaho. Um, we look at Indiana as like a very prestigious school. Like that's a very big name. So sometimes, like when you're there, it's the same concept. When people hear about Boise State University, they're like, "Oh, cool, the blue turf, blah blah blah." blah. And I'm like, "Yeah, I graduated from Boise State, the blue turf, da da da." We kind of take it for granted. The that's the same way I feel about Indiana. The the whole program, like the school as a whole, the the basketball programs, uh, both male and female. It's just um, it's really cool to us over here. It's almost like uh, surreal, almost. So it's kind of cool to to hear that that you went to school there. I don't know how to explain it. It's just kind of cool for me talking to somebody that actually went to school there. It's a pretty big deal. It's a it's a good school. Did you uh, did you have any players that you looked up to, whether it be from the women's side or the men's side? Because you were a born scorer. I'm just wondering who your favorite athlete was growing up. For sure, growing up, the first athlete I really looked up to, I would say, was like Simone Augustus because I'm born and raised in New Orleans. Um, and, and one of my, my, my AAU coach, uh, my, his wife was Pokey Chapman's sister. And so when Pokey was at LSU, we would go to the, the camps and stuff, you know, you know, in Baton Rouge. So really, uh, Simone Augustus was really truthfully someone I looked up to. Um, I've never really been the kind of person that was like, you know, looked, looked up to someone, you know, I always looked for you know, as they say, success leaves clues. And, and so I've always wanted to, to look at those that were successful and see how can I, you know, implement what they're doing and then use it to, you know, help me be successful. But Simone was definitely someone I looked up to. And then, you know, as I moved forward, Kobe Bryant, you know, has always been someone I admired on and off the court. I mean, the way he carried himself, um, you know, also his game, how he continued to improve. Even though he was at the top, he still improved. He still had the best footwork. He still had the best shot. He still knew how to play with his teammates, you know, when he needed to. And so um, I would say those two people, one female, one male, um, are, you know, some, you know, people that I've looked up to. Um, and, I, and I guess maybe that did help me to be a good scorer. <laughs> yeah. They are some great, awesome scorers. <laughs> For sure. Now, did you ever get to meet any of them by chance? Uh, yeah, I met Simone um, when I was at uh, going to the LSU, you know, tournaments and stuff like that. And then I've never, I've never met Kobe, um, and I've never gotten to see him play in person. Um, but you know, life is still going on, so you uh, maybe I'll meet him, you know, in Silicon Valley or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. I like that. Let's talk about this. So you you dominated essentially from the scoring standpoint. You had a pretty good career over at Indiana. Next comes the professional level. You decide to take it to the professional level, which a lot of you know student athletes don't actually get the opportunity to do. You had that opportunity. Now um, you were drafted in the WNBA. Can you explain that experience? for us as far as like the draft is concerned because some people may not be fully educated on how the WNBA draft works compared to like the NBA since it's covered a little bit more and it's a little bit more popular. Um, what was that all like for you? 
Well, actually, the WNBA, I mean, truthfully, I didn't really have much information because, you know, it's different for women. You spend the season and the WNBA is right around the corner. Um, and so it's kind of like you finish your, your college season and then it's like, okay, now there's a WNBA draft and you go straight to training camp. Um, and so when you're finishing your, your university, you really kind of almost need to be prepared with your agent and have a plan in place, you know, before that draft. Um, and so, you know, I think there's some rules that maybe need to change so, you know, a senior can have more time to start talking to those agents and, and get a plan. But, um, you know, I was drafted. I'm not sure who put you know, how that works to tell you the truth because my name was on the list. I was drafted to the Indiana Fever. Um, and, you know, they did everything, you know, through the email. They contacted me. Um, so, you know, gave me, you know, everything I needed for as, you know, needing to know my size, blah, 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 you know, uh, rental car and things like that and what the contract would be. Um, and then from there, I just went through the normal process. Um, and that that's how it was. I was, I was actually in school class and uh a couple of students were like congratulations jory and i'm like what are you talking about and they're like you're drafting i'm like what oh man okay yeah for me it was it was really something i wasn't prepared for i didn't really know that was going to be happening you know whereas somebody is you know a top 10 kid that's going to go to the draft you know uh, i think it's really different for um women compared to the men's process um and unless you're like those top 10 women it's not really that big of a event um because you know it's not the same as the men uh, um and then uh of course uh all the top 10 or those first round pick, picks are kind of the ones that are guaranteed even that opportunity to get in camp you know when you're second or third round you're still not even up to guarantee you're going to get that camp opportunity um, and so, um, it's very, it's very a small window to get into, um, the league. Um, but if you do get into it or even being drafted, it's still a blessing and it still can set you up nicely for your career when you go abroad. Yeah, and that's kind of what I want to talk about. So while your, your WNBA career may have been, you know, I guess in a lack of a better term, short lived, you still have made a very successful career out of the sport of basketball, which is really cool because, so often, this is the point of my show, is to show people that, like, sports have so much power. Uh, it's not just a bunch of dumb jocks. Like, it has power. Like, and it's both for males and females. Like, it's it's got a lot of power to take you places. And you, you continued abroad, is what you said. So, let's discuss that. Like, overseas, I know that, you know, in the, in the United States, the women don't really have a developmental league, like a minor league system. And, and the men, for that matter, kind of do. We got the G League here for the men, but even that has its downfalls in regards to the contracts are very low, for that matter, comparably to the NBA. So a lot of people go overseas because it's, it's, a, it's a better paying gig. Um, but I want to hear about your experience overseas. Were you excited to go play overseas? And what's the game like over there? Well, I was excited uh, because uh, I had already had uh, earlier in my, my life uh, some European experience. I went from New Orleans um, to I lived in London uh, my freshman year of high school um, because my dad was on international assignment there. So I actually lived in London for a year. Um, so I was kind of prepared. I wasn't too nervous about taking that international journey. However, I was a little nervous because I was going to Israel for my first year. 
Uh, oh, so that was, you know, totally different than Europe. But um, I was excited because I still was going to be able to play the game, uh, which, you know, a lot of athletes go through that transition where they don't have that opportunity to keep playing. And so I was, you know, blessed and I was happy that I could keep playing. And also it was, you know, I was still in my mind that, okay, I'm going to go overseas, do what I need to do and get back in the WBA. Um, so, you know, overseas is kind of like your G League or something. You know, you go overseas and you do well, and then maybe you can get in the camp again. Um, so I was really highly motivated. Uh, and then Israel turned out to be a very fun and a fun place. And uh, they had a lot of great players that actually played in the WNBA. Um, you know, some vets like Flanette Pearson, who I think now she's retired, but, you know, she was a long time great in the WNBA. Um, Gia Perkins was a good guard who I think she just maybe stopped playing. I'm not sure if she's still on the team, but she was there amongst a lot of uh, Elena Larkin, who went to North Carolina as a big name. I mean, a lot of big-time WNBA players were there that year, and I actually finished number 10 in scoring. Um, so it was a good year for me, a lot of learning, um, and I enjoyed it. I mean, Israel was beautiful. It wasn't you know, like the media portrayed it to be <laughs> right. for me and my family. It was actually a very beautiful place. The people, you know, still spoke English and uh, really welcomed me. So um, I was I was really, you know, motivated to continue uh, that type of lifestyle from that first year. Nice. Okay. And, and going overseas, typically what we see, for those who don't, like, pay full attention to contracts, like we'll see the big names, like – for the men, you got Jimmer Fredette, Stefan Marbury, those the bigger names I should say with quotes around it. That kind of they they make their mark in like one place. And then for them it was China, and so they kind of stay there. But there's stories of a lot of people like yourself that go overseas and in the the you play one season here, two seasons here, and then you go to another one and go to different country, different country. So can you explain to us how that works? Like why, why didn't we continue in Israel? Was it a contract situation or did you just have better opportunities in different countries? Yeah. So, you know, the men like all things like NBA, it's totally different than what the women have to go through and what the women uh, are exposed to when it comes to the industry. Um, But, you know, the level of, coaches, the level of professionalism within the management, um, I think causes, you know, kind of that, you know, year by year contract type model, uh, because I really don't think they understand the importance or the, 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 how much it will better their team long term to keep a core of people at one time, to keep them one or two years and let them go together. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the second thing is, like you said, like sometimes the contract is better. When you go to one team, they have that same budget forever. So now if you go and you, you're you finished top 10, now that player is now worth more. Now, you know, they're no longer a rookie and they want, you know, more money. Whereas, you know, you look at the NBA, okay, they have that, that you know, as you can go up rookies next year, they have those you know, payments where you'll increase in pace. In Europe, that's not the case. Sometimes the team has the same money and they maybe can only pay you that same salary. So, of course, now a player wants more money and they want a better opportunity. So that's where you kind of get that turnover where players go one year, one year. Um, 
and then you you know some sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes uh, a coach is fired, so now it's a different coach. They want a different style of play. They want a different you know team. Um, and not all the time the president chooses to to the players. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. Um, that is kind of just, in my opinion, the lack of knowledge on some of the you know management part. Um, overseas and it's just kind of that continuous turnover of players and you know trying to get that right mix um it's rare to see a team that has the same players for a long time you know that's it's really rare rare man see to me it, w- it seems like it would be difficult for living situations you get so used to the people you get so used to the to the teammates for that matter um just to the spot in general i mean it's it's hard enough for me moving if i had to move from a city to city here within my own state you're talking about country it's oftentimes countries to countries whatever it may be uh man that's tough but i'm sure it teaches you a lot in life for that matter um what's what's your favorite place that you've played at in your in your career and can you list off the the places where you have played since israel well, okay, the places I have played are Israel. I've played in Romania, near Bucharest. I've played in Switzerland, near Lugano, for two years. And then the past three years, I've been in Italy. I've played near Venice in Italy. I've played uh, in Torino. And then this past season, I was near Naples, more south of Italy. Um, I will say uh, it's, it's really hard. Um, I will, you know, I'll just list off my top three. Okay, Israel... I love Israel because it was very Americanized from my first year. It was nice beaches. The Americans were all close when it comes to, you know, team-wise. We could all hang out and, and things like that. Um, Switzerland, I love the people. Um, it wasn't, you know, very party-party. You know, the people went to sleep at 8 o'clock, you know. But it was a very beautiful, beautiful country. Um, great people. Again, uh, my president and management were awesome. Uh uh, you know, I really enjoyed them. And then Italy, of course, is just a wonderful country. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a foodie person, so I love the food. You know, again, Italian people are amazing, you know, and then uh, also just a beautiful, beautiful country to tra- travel around. So I, I, it's hard for me to pick between those three. Um, but I will say I've, I've really enjoyed every place. I've, I've been. Uh, Romania was a tough one. That's that's one I can't say I liked a lot, but um, I've been blessed to be some, you know, be around some great people and uh, you know, beautiful, beautiful countries. Man, see, basketball has taken you literally like all over the world, and that's really cool to hear because not everybody gets that opportunity. And quite honestly, even in the WNBA, you don't get that opportunity. You, but, you know, you get an opportunity to play in the WNBA, but that's you, you don't get to go all over the world all the time. So. There's blessings in every everything that you do, and so it's cool to hear your story in regards to where you've been. Now, in regards to salaries, without giving ex- you know your exact numbers, how are the salaries overseas or abroad compared to the WNBA? Because a lot of people will you know hark on the NBA or the WNBA, and you know they say, well, the, the women, a lot of women have to go play overseas anyways. There's a lot of people that were known for playing the WNBA one season and then going overseas to to make a little bit extra cash. Is it comparable in that sense? I would say, so when you look at the WNBA, and I, I'm not sure, don't quote me on it, if it's changed, but I know the cap was 100000 So, And that's only veterans, and that's only, I don't know, if that's maybe more than maybe three are good. 
probably less that can make that can make that. The rookie contract when I was coming out, I recall was like maybe thirty six thousand. And that again, you're in America, so that's not tax free like it would be in Europe. Um, so you you would have to pay taxes on that money um, for sure. And so that was my rookie contract. And then okay, you can kind of assume how much it would go up per year. You're in the league, and then obviously the max is a hundred thousand. When you go overseas, I would say for a guard, um, you know, normal guards. At this time with the the economy, I mean, you have very, very, very few guards making the 100K, very few. And then you have an, another bundle that can make about 50K, and then, you know, everyone else is, is underneath that when we're talking about guards. Again, you know, people hear about Diana signing $1 million. Um, that's Diana. You know, that's that's the 1%, you know, and then you have Maya Moore, and, you know, went to China, I think, and Brittany Griner went to China. So, yeah, you have Brittany Griner, a couple other top, top players that are in that half a mil, one mil uh, range. Um, but that's a very, that's very few people. And then you have, you know, kind of the stories that many don't hear about where people take contracts for like 500 a month to try and go overseas and get that experience to try and, you know, move up in their career. And this is like, you know, a a good group of people in different countries, you know, and then, okay, then you have, you know, your 2,000 a month and then, you know, three or 5K a month. Um, But there's nothing where people are making money to retire, you know. (laughs) Right. So it's definitely, you you do still get that experience, of course. You you, It's tax-free money. Uh, They give you a place to stay. You have your car. You have insurance. You know, you have all these things that are paid. For you, so again, if you've taken 40k from that team, you're taking 40k. No taxes coming out. You're not really paying bills besides maybe if you have a phone, international phone, or whatever that may be, or if you have your own car or something back in the state that you have to pay. Um, so those are some advantages of it. But for as really saying, okay, that player is set, they play pro. A lot of people don't get that, you know, when we are done playing, we need to be setting up something outside of the game um, for when we're done. Um, And so, you know, the money is not what people assume it is. And and, and that's kind of where I wanted to get to before we wrap it up here then, Jory, is kind of what you're doing to set yourself up for the future. Um, I I noticed that you, you know, obviously you got basketball, but you seem to have more – plan going forward what exactly do you have in the future after basketball or how long do you see yourself playing and and what do you want to do with yourself after after basketball's over for sure and you know i've kind of given myself maybe five five years um i'm healthy i'm I'm really healthy right now and i'm actually feeling like you know i've gotten a second win within my game but I'm also really focused on, you know, I, I really want to give back. I want to be that advocate for elite athletes because there are a few things I've been through um, in this industry, a few things that I see, you know, players fall victim to. And, and the, this sports industry is growing, and it's, it's, it's growing fast. And with technology, things are changing. So um, I've started my company, Weevolve. Uh, it stands for We Evolve as in the athletes, and um, I'm really building that out to really be the official society for elite athletes 
and um, I wanted to really be a trusted place for athletes to go and, and, and get everything they need regarding um, going through the process and, and leaving their legacy on and off the court. And so I have that. Um, I've really been uh, a big advocate for mental health and mental training as a player. Um, and so I've, you know, kind of just started my thing called Affirmed Mind, which is nothing big, just something to document my journey and share things I use to really help build you know, my confidence as a player and things like that. Um, and so, and then other than that, it's just more so, you know, trying to really get myself out there, you know, do things in the community um, and, and stuff like that. You'll be surprised that I'm a, a elite athlete that played pro. And it's like, you know, you would think somebody would reach out and say, hey, come speak to these group of kids or this and this and that, because I'm more than willing. It's not even that old giving me a check. It's like I want to get back. I want to go and tell players, like, look, this is what you need to watch out for. But unfortunately, no one's out there saying, look, come be this mentor. And so I want to create that. I want to create a place where we are pushing people to say, hey, you're a pro athlete. I know you're overseas. You have for sure five hours that you don't do anything. <laughs> Go digital and pour into this young kid. Be like a big brother, big sister system. Just a few minutes can change their lives of knowledge that, tangible knowledge that they can't get from a website of NCAA. They're not getting that real raw knowledge. They're not understanding that they are agents or AAU coaches that don't have their best interests in mind, that they're, they're kind of, you know, playing that role, but they just want to try and get something from it. And so um, really, you know, getting athletes together and, and be looking out for ourselves, uh, I'm really passionate about that and also mental training and how, you know, we can unlock who we are outside of the game because we have to. There's so many opportunities for us as athletes um, to use our likeness for us instead of someone else using it. <laughs> yeah. You know, let us let us use our likeness to create wealth for ourselves, to create residual income for us instead of someone else getting residual income off of us. Um and so, you know, that's that's where I'm that's the journey I'm on right now and, you know, that's that's what I'm on and then really trying to connect with people with that same mindset to help me build out we fall, um, that wanna be a part of it, that understand the big vision. Um, and, and just keep moving forward. I mean, uh, like when I started to dribble at three, it was a process. I didn't know what I was doing, but I said I was going to play basketball, and, and I and I did it. So uh, I'm kind of taking that same process, taking baby steps, and, and, and that's where I'm going so far. It obviously worked out with you in regards to basketball. I don't see why it couldn't work out here. I think that's awesome. As I'm listening to it, I think it's rad. So, like, I'm going to get behind this 100% because I'm going to keep my eye out for it too, like what you got building um, in regards to building your own brand and such, I, I think it's so cool. I think it's also very interesting what you said, Jory, in regards to um, the salaries you were talking about, all this stuff. It just frustrates me because we see such a huge gap. Like you said, it's not enough to retire on. It's not like the big time money for everybody except for the one percenters. What do you think you, uh, what would you do or what can we do? to help women's sports grow, especially basketball for that matter, in the United States to where we can get the coverage and, and maybe get those salaries higher, you know, with the media incomes coming in and such. What can we do? What can we do to help out women's sports going forward? Um, I think, you know, and I, it's, I don't want to give a cliche answer and say, ah, oh, people need to come support, support. 
I think, you know, we really need to take some notes from, you know, some of these uh, influencers and, you know, these digital marketers and, and really start to, to be more real and, 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 and allow, uh, you know, the women to share some of their stories. You know, like you said, you don't you don't really know the truth about Europe. We, you know, we're not telling these stories of how people come into a, a house when they first arrive at a low-level team and it's terrible, you know, and they haven't got paid for months and they're struggling. You know, we need to be more open about what's going on and how we work, you know. And, and I think the, when we open up and we say, look, man, we are, we are working here, you know, start documenting us in the gym around the world playing against guys that were killing them, you know, because those are the guys that respect us. Those are the guys that maybe come to some game. But, you know, sometimes people aren't seeing that. They're not seeing how much time we, we put in just as much as the guys. They don't see us. We're, we're right there working with guys. You know, when I'm in Indiana, you know, sometimes my workout is with one of the team brothers and stuff like that. We're right there doing the same thing, working out. And and so um, I think that that's how we you know can start to grow is you know you know let 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 the fans and them see a little bit more into who we are as women um, and then you know the cliche answer is yeah we need we need some more people to just you know back us um, because there there is a way because in Europe they're doing it in Europe they have fans they have uh, clubs that are lasting long so you know we need to figure out what is it that they have that we don't and of course we have a lot of men's teams so okay you have to share those fans but there's a way there's always a way um but we just have to, to find that answer and of course uh if i had it i'd probably be <laughs> i'd probably be you know at the top of the, the WNBA, you know right now but um, I think we just must continue to push forward and continue to, to share our stories and, and um, you know, things will evolve and, and grow. And that's all we really can do. I like it. And I'm going to do my best for you, Jordan. I'm trying to do what I can to deliver a panoramic view on sports. I think this is one of the most interesting, intriguing, unique episodes that I've had. One of the best interviews because it's something that we don't know. It's still a lot of stuff that I just learned from your, you know, 25, 30 minute discussion with me today. So I greatly appreciate you. Um, and we'll do what we can to help out the entire women's market as far as sports are concerned. And I'll keep rooting for you uh, as far as what you're doing on the court and then off the court when the when the when you hang up i guess you should say the sneakers there for that matter um and jory uh once again appreciate you joining the show i appreciate you you know connecting with me on linkedin and um hopefully we'll be able to keep in contact in the future oh thank you so much shane and yeah for sure stay connected and you know hey if you need another female interview i have plenty of them hey hey let's stay in contact then seriously let's stay in contact for real for sure right. for sure all right, you have a great day. And for all the listeners out there, we'll talk to you next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.